But where are you really from? A podcast about the Asian American struggle. Hi, I'm Angela Lin, and I'm Jesse Lin, and welcome to But Where Are You Really From? We are super excited today because we have our first guest ever on the podcast, my dad. Daddy, you want to tell the world who you are? Okay, we are moving to、uh, California in 1989, so it's about 30 more years. And I have a business、uh, before. Now I'm retired. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're really happy to have you with us today. Thanks for joining. So last week we talked a little bit about Asian Pacific American Heritage Month and how far we have to go to get where we want to be. But I think we wanted also to spend some time to really dive into what we mean by heritage overall. And I think it's really interesting to look at it from an Asian American perspective because we have. Both the American part of it and the Asian part of it, and if you imagine where we sit, we're kind of like in the middle of that Venn diagram, where we're in a unique position where we don't necessarily belong to one culture fully, and we don't necessarily belong to the other culture fully. So, part of why we're doing this episode is to have a discussion around what heritage is and what it means to us as Asian Americans. Yeah. So. What is your sense of what heritage or the DNA of your culture? What does that mean to you? Oh, when I move here, I'm already thirty years old. So thirty-eight years old. <laughs> so that means my uh, basic uh, already、uh, Taiwanese or Chinese. So moving here, I try to. Getting into this community, so I think I'm more strongly tend to Chinese or Taiwanese here. I just learn you. You probably more adapt into here, but I, for me, it's just I learn something new. If you could only pass down three things to the next generation that describe what Chinese culture or Chinese heritage is and what's most important there. What would you? How would you describe that?、Uh, number one is Confucianism. That's、uh, what Chinese is. Number two is Taoism. That's also Chinese. The number three is Chinese character, the literature. In whole Chinese, there's a five hundred eighty different dialogue. They can communicate because of the the, the same character. So that's three most important thing. You call you as a Chinese. So I think the language is the easiest for most of our listeners to understand. Can you tell us a little bit more about what Confucianism is and why that is so in like such a foundation for Chinese culture? Okay, Confucianism for simple explanation is that you. Have no you. That's most different、uh, than America. You、uh, America, you has to be yourself. You you is you, me, I. But in Confucianism, all your life is to fulfill your obligation as a law in the family. What about Taoism? If there's a quick 
way to explain why that's so crucial. Taoism is another way of、uh, Confucianism. Confucianism go into the community, the family, the country, but Taoists go away from there. It's like a hermit. You you go to your own. Yeah, you join your the nature. You you do your own things. There is some traditional sense of me or self in that heritage, because a lot of times what we talk about is there's like a loss of self when you become just obligation to others. But it sounds like from what you're saying, that's important. It's important number one for obligation to others, and number two, the obligation to your own spiritual self. So there is both a community obligation and a personal obligation. And I think what we've discussed before is we feel like the personal obligation tends to be quite low on the list. We wouldn't say it's number two. Do you see it that way, or、uh, that's true? Yeah. Even you want to、uh, have some achievement, that is for your family or for your country, not for yourself. But when I'm here, I was、uh, very impressive. Here is everybody talking about self. You you have to be extra doing efforts to for yourself. And in school, the teacher here will ask you to express yourself. But back to Taiwan or China, they will teach you what you need to remember. They probably won't let you to express yourself too much. Okay, so I think that was a really great、uh, and insightful view into how you think about Chinese Taiwanese culture and how it differs from American culture. We wanted to talk to you about language, and I know you already feel a little bit bad that you didn't pass on Kajiahua to me that I can't speak that, but I think it's still an accomplishment that Jesse and I can still speak Mandarin. Which is the most broadly used Chinese dialect, right? But we wanted to ask you if you do you feel any shame, regret, yihan because we cannot fully speak like as perfectly in terms of vocabulary, or that we can't write Chinese as well as people in China and Taiwan. Of course, yeah. In the heart, I feel I did not do a good job as a daddy to to translate this language to you, let you speak. Or I know you both of you are speaking very fluent, but on writing, I thought most of you forgot. <laughs> but I cannot say anything because my English is not good. So even I learn, but so I know how hard it is. So that's very nice of you to compare <laughs> Chinese and English to the same, but it's not the same because you moved to America when you were almost forty. So for you to even be speaking English at the fluency level that you're speaking to us right now is like a huge accomplishment. Versus Jesse and I, well, you can debate this, but theoretically we were born Taiwanese. So it's in our blood <laughs> that we should be able to speak Chinese, even though that's a learned language still. So even 
considering that, you still feel like it's like balanced that we're our Chinese is not as good. Yeah, you are okay. You are good. Both of you are okay for now, but you can <laughs> you can uh, pick up the character. You、yeah. can read the newspaper. That would be perfect. So、yeah. if our if our future kids could only speak Chinese as well as we can and write as well as we can, you'll be really disappointed.、Uh, I hope、uh, you will. You are going to be better. But if that's <laughs> that's life, then let it be. Yeah, I don't feel that's a, a failure. No, not at all. Oh, one thing, one thing、uh, I want to、uh, let you know: my degree or how good my English is. When Johnny is in、uh, elementary school, he always been, "Hey, buddy, what this words means?" So I will explain. Until fifth grade, he showed me, "Oh, what this means?" I said, "Why don't you check the dictionary?" <laughs> that, means, <laughs> that means I know. Oh, my English is fifth grade. Nancy <laughs>、uh, <laughs> and I went to Chinese school till we were seventeen, and pretty sure our writing and reading is the same as like a second grade. Also fifth grade, yeah, no, something like that. Fifth grade is generous. I think it's yeah. So, do you think, let's say, an American-born Chinese person that doesn't speak any Mandarin can really fully understand what it means to be a Chinese person? You can understand because when I in uh, uh, master school,、uh, master on religious study, that a lot of professor is Westerner, don't know Chinese, but he teach, <laughs> he teach Buddhism or Taoism.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that means they learn from the、uh, translation. So of course you can understand, but not very deep. Do you feel like when you moved here and your English became good enough to speak with other people, you were able to understand like American people better, the American like American culture and the American way of life? Of course, of course. When I first moved here, you know, in Taiwan, I、uh, have an English class in in the junior high, three years in in senior high, four years in college, and plus. Almost ten years in trading, but I first moved in、uh, here. They always what, what, what? I can respond like what, what? Well, my English is not that bad, okay? <laughs> so you know, I already learned like almost twenty years of English. But if you don't come here, you don't have the chance to practice.、Mm-hmm. So, so your English still not that good. Yeah. How long do you think it took? From when you moved here to when you started getting along with and and understanding Western people, because you in your business you had a lot of like American customers and you had to entertain them and stuff. Several years, like in the office, our sales manager saying that his mother is seventy three years old, and I say, oh, she's old, and that sales manager almost want to find me. Hey. <laughs> You know, let me get a fight. My mom is not old, <laughs> <laughs> but in in Chinese, old is a respectful. But here, you you call them old. They want to have a fight. Let's have a fight. <laughs> so that part of culture difference we need to gradually learn. Like、uh, when I come here, I say, "Oh, see you later." So I say, "Hey, why is this、uh, almost two hours? I did not see you." <laughs> 
<laughs> That's you need to learn from the daily life. Yeah.、Mm. So I think the last thing about language is earlier you mentioned the three most important things you wanted to pass down was Confucianism, Taoism, and the the writing of the language.、Yeah. So. How how do you feel like the introduction of simplified Chinese, like Gen Tzu, has maybe changed the way people feel about their heritage, their culture, especially in Taiwan, because everybody there, as I understand, still uses the traditional version of it. So does it make it a little bit more difficult to relate?、Uh, exactly. Yeah. For Taiwanese, I thought the simplified Chinese is diminish the Chinese culture. It's、uh, mm. like they cut down the connection from the old one, the new one. But you use simplified. I see you post on Facebook. You use simplified <laughs> Chinese. Yeah, I because I live in China for so many years,、yeah. so I,、mm-hmm. I I don't against it because as I understand, life is changing. Even the culture, the food, everything will be changed. Don't try to refuse it. You accept the change. And go with it. There's a 1.4 billion people use simplified. So what's good? You try to keep that、uh, tradition. Although I would say I'm biased because I only learn traditional Chinese, right? Of the、yeah. very little I can write, I only know how to write traditional. And I would say, like when I lived in Japan, I felt really proud of what I learned because the. Japanese people use Chinese characters in a lot of their words, right? And so I could say, "Oh, yeah, this is this restaurant sells beef. Oh, this is a tea house, whatever," because I could read the traditional Chinese characters.、Mm-hmm. And there is kind of a beauty in that that I could connect with this other culture because I learned the original language of our culture, versus like. The last time I was in China, I was like 18 or whatever. We went to Beijing, and I couldn't read anything. I swear to God, I was like, I know how to read Ch- enough Chinese. I don't know how to read any of this because when I see simplified, I genuinely I don't understand how you guys like people who are from Taiwan understand simplified Chinese because it. it doesn't、yeah. look the same to me at all. I can't guess what half of the words are based on knowing the traditional. You already know the complicated one, so the simple one is easy. They don't look、you. the same. There's <laughs> like an X、yeah. somewhere. I don't know why.、Oh, yeah. So the next thing that we wanted to talk about traditions and practices that we pass on. So I think the first one that comes to mind, obviously, is the biggest one that both Asian people and Western people recognize, which is Chinese New Year. We wanted to kind of ask you what this holiday really means traditionally to Chinese people, and since you've lived in America and you've also seen how Asian Americans and Americans in general celebrate it, what you see the difference is. I should ask you too, two of you, except that red. Envelope. What do you remember about Chinese New Year? The envelope. Yep. I remember <laughs> having to call all of my aunties、yes. and uncles in Taiwan, and then being judged because I didn't know enough of the ways to wish Happy New Year to them. Because before you get the red envelope, you have to like find it. You have to like. Tell all your aunts and uncles, like, oh, happy New Year! Hope you have like good health. Hope you have fortune. Like all these other sayings before they accept your like 
blessings and and good wishes and then they say okay i'm fine i'll give you a a red envelope so i remember getting yelled at by like ma like our big yeah. because she'd be like you didn't tell me enough that's only three and i'm like that's all i know like a chinese new year in our culture it's a time to pay back your debt before everybody's poor, you probably borrow money, borrow something from all the people. You have to pay back before the Chinese New Year. Okay, that's important. Mm. Second thing is you have to worship your ancestors. Thank them for your give you the life or give you the heritage. And third thing is you need to go to the temple to worship God to give you a, a fortune. Or protection for the new year, yeah. And third, you have to uh, visit your your uncle, your grandpa, all those to wish them a good a new year. Yeah, give them envelope if they are old. That's a culture very important because it, it, before it's a culture a agriculture country. At that time, there's nothing to do because that's a winter time. So they. Take it as long as almost a month to celebrate the Chinese New Year, but now it's different. But you still in Taiwan, you still celebrate for like two weeks or something,、mm-hmm. right? Yes, two weeks almost. Yeah, like、uh, Christmas here. Yeah. So you just laid out a lot of inherent meaning that is behind Chinese New Year, the values behind it, what's important to continue each year with it. How do you feel about a lot of that not being carried over into the way that Chinese New Year is looked at and celebrated in the U.S.? Because you just named all those things. We never did any of those things when I was growing up. Some of those things we we can't really do, right? Like we can't visit our elders because they're all in Taiwan. So there are some things that we simply like we just aren't able to do. A lot of people still need to go to work at the New Year day.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you really cannot do something, do anything here. Just remember to call your elders to wish them a good New Year, Happy New Year, something like that. That's enough for here. Of course, if you can go back to your hometown to have the whole New Year vacation there. Yeah. When you moved here, your first year. Living here and Chinese New Year came. Did you feel sad that you weren't able to celebrate it in the same way that you were used to for your whole of life? Of course, of course. For first、uh, several years, three to five years, we will miss that part. Yeah. I think we're getting to the things that make up the sense of heritage and culture, and obviously, all these traditions are part of what、mm-hmm. makes up Chinese culture. It seems like you're very understanding of like different circumstances. It's hard to get go back <laughs> and all those things. But how would you feel if like the next generation past Jesse and, and me like don't know any of these traditions that are attached to Chinese New Year? They never even know that that's what is behind that holiday. And my thinking is that try to go back to、uh, Taiwan for the Chinese New、uh, New Year at least. One time or or twice or something to feel the different feeling, but even in Taiwan, the the celebration also very 
decrease a lot, not as before. Yeah. So it is changing. Changing the world is changing. Yeah. So you cannot do anything about that. Just try to keep it if possible. Okay. So then moving into a totally different type of <laughs> practice that comes from Eastern cultures, we want to talk about things that were started in the Eastern world. But has now been really embraced and become mainstream, very popular in the West. So things like yoga started in India and was like very spiritual practice, and now is just like a everyone does yoga. It's like exercise. It's any other exercise or like meditation. You are a huge meditator. You meditate for like two hours every day. You're very serious about it because you're very spiritual. So, how do you feel about now? Meditation is becoming very popular, where people turn on an app and they listen to the guy talk to them for five minutes and try to start meditating. How do you feel about these things? Culture when they move to different、uh, situation, different country, they change. Like Buddhism in India is totally changed by Chinese. Chinese Buddhism is different with、uh, India's Buddhism, and the meditation. Uh, I'm heavy meditation guy. In、uh, Chinese culture or Buddhism culture, it's、uh, about enlightenment. You, you try to be get enlightenment, the purpose of the meditation. But when that introduced to America, it becomes、uh, almost like a therapy. Okay,、yes. let you calm down, move away your anxiety or your your trouble in mind or those things. But that. That's a good because it's fit. You have to be that way to fit into America. Yeah, I know that even the Christian church they also practice meditation. Yeah, culture is merging like a democracy from the Western. They try to be bring into China, but they're not very successful. But at least people starting to 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 doing that. That also good to the life of Chinese people.、Yeah. The next thing is we wanted to talk about how how you and other Chinese people view Chinese history. So when we think of heritage, we think of the history that comes along with it, and a lot of the way that history is learned in the U.S. is it's very factual, and you you try to learn from like the good and the bad scenarios. So when you guys look. Back at your history, like are there are there things that you extract from that, like that you learn from that, or it's it's just history, like you said, you know, it's in the past, it doesn't doesn't matter anymore. Not just history. If you memorize it, and in some time in your life, you will you will know what that means, and you will use it. I hope that to you too. Yeah. Do you feel like the majority of people are proud of the history? They're ashamed of the history. When you went to Japan, right? You know,、uh, you want to uh, uh, know Tang Dynasty. You went to Kyoto.、Mm-hmm. They keep all the Tang heritage in Kyoto. I didn't know that. Yeah, the dressing, the tatami, yeah, the all is, is Tang Dynasty. Qing Dynasty, like three hundred, four hundred years ago. The GDP is one. Fourth of the whole world. Even in Qin, they are very strong. The prosperous is Song Dynasty. Song Dynasty is very good at doing the trade, international trade. So everybody is very prosperous, very rich. Their life is very good. 
So when you when you think back on all these different dynasties, do you feel like knowing that history is really important for understanding who you are or like influences you in some way, knowing where Chinese people came from and how they progressed? Yeah, uh, for me as a Chinese, I have to know how, where we come from and how this 3,000 years or 4,000 years pass by. So what our strengths is, what our weaknesses, that's important for a Chinese. So if someone, like if we, Jesse and I, don't know much <laughs> about these three, four thousand years history, is that shameful? <laughs> uh, you don't say it's shameful. You said you will want to know sometime. A question related to that is... Both you and my parents came from Taiwan, but most of the heritage or the longest piece of culture comes from mainland China. So how do you guys, how do you see yourself in respect to, to that since you live in a different, a different place that's not the land where all of that originated from? That's a huge argument in Taiwan about independence and Chinese. Yeah, that's probably, I would say, 60% vote for independent and 40% still think they're Chinese. They want to merge with Chinese. The issue won't be resolved soon. I should say that if China government, Communist Party, change to democracy. I think no Taiwanese want to be get independent. If they like Taiwan or like America, they have the democracy government, everybody's free. Now who want to independent? Now the independent China, Taiwanese because against the Communist Party, they're so uh, control. there's no freedom. That's the main issue. But that will change. So then you would say that most Taiwanese people and most Chinese people would agree that they have the same cultural heritage background. Of course, okay. they, they come from the one uh, culture. Just mm-hmm. now, the two different religions, they against it, the Communist Party, not, not of Chinese. How do you prioritize how you see yourself between being Hakka, Taiwanese, Chinese, and kind of American? You didn't choose to get your citizenship, but you've lived here for so long. You're basically American. So how do you see your rank of your identity amongst those four things? I think first I should say I'm a Chinese. Then I live in America, but also I'm a Hakkanese. Taiwanese, I'm not thinking that very important. Mm. Well, you're the pro-China. You're the you're the forty percent. So <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> we are now in our fortune cookie closing section, and we always like to end on a sweet treat. But before we get there, we wanted to invite you to email us like we always do. I think this episode in particular is very different from our past. So if you have comments or suggestions for future types of guests, feel free to email us at tellusswhereyou'refrom at gmail.com. Again, the your is Y-O-U-R-E. So the first question that we wanted to all discuss together is what we are most proud of where we're from. Taiwanese is very flexible. It is a small island and there is a strong enemy there. So we have to survive. 
ourselves. So we try to be going all around the world to get the business, get the support from all other countries. So that's, I feel, very proud. We don't limit ourselves in that small island. We try to be go out to the whole world. Uh, you are talking about fortune cookie. Did I mention that uh, story? <laughs> no, but you can go. No. You can go ahead. When <laughs> Angel was four years or three or four years old, we went to Hong Kong to have a Chinese food. That Chinese food is very good. So after the Chinese food, I asked Angela, "How is the Chinese food?" Oh, that's not Chinese food. Why? There's no fortune cookie. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, so cute! Guilty, guilty as charged. <laughs> oh, so cute. So, so what about you, Angela? What are you most proud of? Where you're from? Yeah, I have two answers because the where you're from is kind of loaded. It's exactly the dilemma behind our podcast name. But where are you really from? So I would say, from the Chinese heritage side, what I'm most proud of is. How much influence Chinese culture and history has had on the world? From being American, I'm definitely the most proud of our roots. Of like America exists because we defected from England. That sense of drive and independence is something I've always been really proud of for being American, and is something that drives me. I think what I'm proud of about being Taiwanese is not necessarily like the historical culture or heritage, but the legacy of my parents immigrating here and just understanding how difficult it was to do that at that point in time, not being able to speak the language, not having any family or friends here, and that legacy of like hustle, drive, like being self-sufficient with what you have. I think that's definitely something that I. Have learned from them, and from the American side of things, I just think that there are sizable communities of different cultures and ethnicities in the U.S. that you don't, I haven't personally found in any other major city in any other major country in the same way. So, I'm really proud of the fact that you can find those kinds of communities here. I think that says something about. What kind of a nation that this is? Okay, and then the last question that we have for you today: If you could only pass down one thing about being Taiwanese to the next generation, what would that one thing be? Confucianism. Because when you think about Chinese or Taiwanese, that's the only thing that make it unique. For me, it's the food, especially as I've gotten older and I wanted to connect more with our cultural roots. Food is a really easy way to connect with that because you're learning about who you are and where your people came from, and it's also really easy to connect with other people through food. So it's like a really lovely experience to be able to share your culture with others through that. I think mine would be the language. I really do believe that you can't really fully understand a culture unless you can communicate clearly with them. So that's definitely what I think is is what I would want to pass down. Hey, speaking of things to email us, why don't you guys email us what you're most proud of, of where you're from, and or the one thing you would pass down to the next generation about your culture? I think we'd love to hear that from our listeners.
Yes, please. And as always, you can send those messages to our email, DM us on Instagram, like, follow, and subscribe. And we'll be back with another episode for you guys next week. And with that, side, 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 side,